I call this worship experienced. Um, if you guys remember back, I believe we, I started, I, I've been talking about, about talking in Luke chapter 11, but I started this whole thing in Luke chapter 10, and it was about Mary and Martha. And I'm going to go back to that, but we're going to look at it a little bit differently. Um, but tonight, tonight and probably next Wednesday, we're going to talk a little bit about worship. And, uh, you know, we're a worshiping church. Um, it's not sing, sing, stand up, sing, stand up, sing. It's not, uh, in my opinion, it's not ritual or uh, traditional at all. It's very, um, what I like to call uh, spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-directed, spirit-flowed. Um, so, I don't necessarily want to say in, in every sense that I'm going to be talking about worship and my preaching to the choir here because we're a worshiping church. Uh, however, it's just like when we talk about sin, don't check out. We are battling with something. When I've been talking the last four weeks, the last three weeks about your tongue, I'm telling you, it, if it hasn't hit you yet, either you're not listening or you're ignoring or you're applying it to someone other than you. You need to apply it to you. Take the Word of God and apply it to you, okay, tonight. It's like, it's like an app on your phone. Download it and apply it. Does everyone here agree we can receive from God's Word? All right, let's do that. Worship, of course, is more than singing. It's more than praise choruses. And let me tell you, she pulled out some, uh, she went old school tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I could hear some people, I could like hear it saying, well, thank God, finally somebody's, finally somebody has listened to the Lord. We are singing some of his songs tonight. And it was, what was the song? Uh, Standing on the Promises. I don't, I don't know that my grandfather ever sang that one, but my grandfather in this old country church called Gath Baptist Church, why in the world they would ever name it Gath, I don't know why. But Gath Baptist Church, he would stand up on, he would lead the worship. My grandfather would get up front and his son-in-law would get up front and they'd just lead worship. And, and I was, you guys, you guys bluesed it up and made it feel uh, a little bit more today. But I was seeing my grandfather, I was, I was, uh, I was seeing him uh, tonight. You know, it's what happens when, uh, when a song brings, some, brings back memories. There's something about music that just will take you somewhere. Uh, why, do you th why do you think that, that music is going on around the throne? God loves music. God loves singing. God loves choirs. And I just saw Ron come in. He loves drums. He loves the drums. He doesn't love the tambourine. I think they got that wrong. There's a translation. There was a uh, lost in translation thing that happened back in the mid 1400s, and I'm I'm kidding. God does love the tambourine, but you know, just like like everybody, everybody everybody doesn't love everything. So I I don't love the I love the tambourine when it's played correctly. Let me let me put it that way. Okay, somebody's gonna I'm gonna need some deliverance from that later, but. Uh, and uh, Donna Fisher, don't get any wild ideas. I once made a comment about tambourines, and she showed up the next service handing out tambourines to everybody in the sanctuary. Don't get any bright ideas. Leave the tambourines at the door. All right. It's more than just coming together 
and enjoying the presence of the Lord. It's more than just clapping. It's more than singing. It's more than PowerPoints. Look what happened to us when the one verse wasn't put up there for us. I'm just going to stand here. I don't know. You know, I don't know what to do. I don't have any words in front of me. I guess Tammy could have said, turn in your hymnal. That is that green thing that's in front of you right up there. We do have hymnals in here. We could have turned to it. But you know what? When the word's on up there, that doesn't mean you don't, don't have to continue worshiping. Worship. That's my, that's my personal time of worship. I don't know what the words are going to sing. I'm going to sing my own songs. I got, I got something in here wanting to come out anyway. Great. I don't know the words to this. I'm going to sing something else. I think God likes it. But in a few moments, we're going to turn. If you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12. And we're going to look at three examples of worship And I think that each one of these will apply to your own personal life. Worship is a way of life. It's more than a Sunday event. It's a way of life. That every day could could really God be put first in your life and truly love him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Now catch this. Worship is is God consciousness. Worship is being forever conscious of God. Can you imagine that? Um, I'm not going to use that example. Worship is understanding and relating to God in a personal way, no matter where you were or no matter what you were doing. And you know, you don't just have to get out your Bible. And let me tell you, if you know anything about me, I love the personal quiet time reading your Bible. If you've heard any message I've preached, what you will hear is, get in the Word. But worship is more than just reading your Word. It's essential. And so many times I think that we kind of have to schedule in time for God. We say, okay, I've been busy this week, this coming Friday from 4 to 5.30. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to listen to Christian music. I'm just having microphone issues. I know it looks like a nervous tick I've got. I don't have a nervous tick. I'm just getting aggravated. I think so many times we're waiting for the big events. We miss what serving and living for God is all about. And that it's a day-by-day, just pure loving God life. And we miss those moments that we could be worshiping the Lord. Maybe it's in your car. It might be just going down the highway. It might be just as you're walking into your business or into your job. Some music comes on. You start singing along. It might be when you're at work. You just take time once in a while and look up and you thank God. It is learning to practice the presence of God. You do not have to live your life only experiencing the presence of God on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Man, what... Uh, please don't take this wrong, but what a waste. What a waste of all the other hours of, of life. What are we doing all those other hours? Because it can all be done with the Lord and done a lot better. So many times we miss those moments. Don't wait for Sunday morning to sing your praises to God. Do it in a daily process. Make it a literal habit 
and a way of life. You know, I've had people tell me that I have a, uh, what would you call it, um, a legalistic uh, Bible reading process. You know what, that's Satan trying to stop me from reading my Bible. There's nothing wrong with me having a routine of reading God's Word. And I battle that because I'm a routine kind of guy. And I will tell you, sometimes it does go into the flesh, even me reading my Bible, that I just do it because I'm supposed to. That I just do it because it's this time. But I want you to know that word is still going in. And there's a lot worse things I could be doing other than that. But again, I will be reading and I'll realize, hey, I'm, I'm not even into what I'm reading. I've checked out. I, my mind is somewhere else. And I've got to reel myself back in and dive back in. God, speak to me. This time is for you. I am coming after you. I'm not reading this so I can check it off on my list. I'm reading this to get equipped. I'm reading this to get filled. I'm reading this to tell you I love you. I'm reading this to find out how do I obey you. I'm reading this so that I can make it the next step. Why do you eat? Why why do you eat? So that you can make it to the next step. You stop eating, you will die. The reason I read the Word every day, and, and I will tell you, I'm so schedule-oriented, I don't read it every day. I read it four days, and I read two days at a time. <laughs> I read eight days a week. There's a, uh, a uh, Beatles song uh, they were singing about me in my Bible reading. But I read eight days a week. That way I catch up, I get ahead at one day every week. And when I go on vacation, if I can't read that week, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead. I'm in June. Take it up with God. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with him. Pastor's legalistic. No, I'm not. I'm just organized. You'll get that later. Okay. The Bible says that we walk in the light as he is in the light. That we have fellowship with him and with one another. And there's just a wonderful sense of just knowing God and walking with God and being aware of God and talking with God and keeping that communion up with God no matter where you are or what you're doing. I am going to use this example. Uh, Is my mom in here? Yeah. When she prays, she always starts with and father. And. Meaning, where did the and come from? Because I didn't hear the first sentence. But it always has given me the appearance that it never stopped. She just is picking up midstream. To be honest with you, as a kid, it kind of got on my nerves. I'm like, would you please just start a a prayer? But you know what? When, When my youngest child walks up to me, she always goes, and dad. And she her, her, she, that she's her namesake. Uh, she's Sarah Bett. And, and you know, I, I just see that similarity that I know my mom well enough to know that she experiences God all day long. And I just happen to walk in as she's praying and she just picks it up and Lord bless whatever, you know. But it does not have to be a Sunday thing. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for your sins to give you a one hour Sunday relationship. He didn't come to bring you life on Sunday mornings from 8.15 to 9.15 and everything else is on your, you're on your own. 
He came to, to give you life and to give it to you more abundant. Let me tell you, for most of us, that one hour for service is part of our best part of our week. Think about the rest of it. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the rest of it. And that one hour. That one hour is a celebration of what he's been doing the rest of the week. Not the opposite, not trying to get dug out of what you've gone through the rest of the week. And maybe God will rescue you for this one hour. Just the opposite. Nope, I've been serving him. He's been with me the whole way. I got to tell somebody, man, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to explode when, he's, when, when Tammy starts worshiping. Can you imagine a church like that? That's been experiencing God all week and can't wait to release the joy in church. Practicing the presence of God. John chapter 12, we're going to see three experiences, three different stories. And it really gives insight of different ways that we can worship the Lord. And my goal here tonight is to help us understand that we can continually worship God in several ways. Now let's look at it. John chapter 12, verse 1. Now I am reading from the uh, contemporary English version. We've got the NIV up there because we don't have it on the computer. So just realize that there's going to be a little bit of a translation difference. Six days before Passover, Jesus went to Bethany where he had raised Lazarus from the dead. A meal had been prepared for Jesus. Martha was, going to going, was doing the serving and Lazarus himself was there. Mary took a very expensive bottle of perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet. She wiped them with her hair and the sweet smell of the perfume filled the house. A disciple named Judas... Iscariot was there, and he was the one who was going to betray Jesus. And he asked, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 silver coins and the money given to the poor? Verse 6, Judas did not really care about the poor. He asked this because he, he carried the money bag and sometimes would steal from it. Verse 7, Jesus replied, leave her alone. She has kept this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. Now I'm going to show you. Uh, four things that Mary teaches us about worship. Number one, Mary teaches us that it is right to risk in worship. It's right to risk in our worship. In fact, true worship will always bring about a certain amount of risk. The reason I'm sharing this with you is, is to worship God is to become vulnerable. To worship God is to give up control. We begin to be vulnerable to God just as Mary was in this act of this expensive bottle of perfume she was using. Let me tell you, Mary was risking. Because I'm telling you right now, all the eyebrows in the room raised when that bottle got poured out. And those that didn't see what she was doing smelled it. If someone right now opened up a bottle of perfume in this room, it would be just a few seconds and we would all smell it. If you just opened it, if you poured it out, man, it would, it would overtake the room. Do you guys remember when Pastor Matt, uh, when he was anointed with oil sitting up here, uh, anybody remember that when he sat up here and uh, oil was poured over his head? Let me tell you, there was such a fragrance that came from that uh, act. But eyebrows were raised 
And here's this woman that's poured this out. And everybody noticed. You know, in, in this situation, there was almost a foolishness involved in this process of worship. But that's what worship does for us. The reason is worship lifts us up to a level of God where we want to express love in such a tangible way that at times we may feel vulnerable or we may feel foolish or we may seem to say this is completely out of character. There have been times in my life that I have, I have been hurting so bad that I would come into worship and the literal presence of the Lord would overtake me so much that I couldn't care less what you thought. I, let me say it this way. I couldn't care less what man thought. All I cared about was what he thought. And really what I cared about was what he was doing in me. And all I could do was respond. All I could do was respond. Who here this week, and don't anybody raise their hands. This is rhetorical. It's really not rhetorical. I want you to apply it. Has had a need for God to come through for you this week. Man, I, I, I said don't raise your hand, but I raised mine. Everybody. It's, an, it's a daily thing for me. And I don't, I don't necessarily just mean little stuff. Every day, it's something big I need the Lord to do. And I'll walk around the building, I'll pray, I'll get out my Bible, and then finally I just realize I just need to praise the Lord. He knows what my problem is. I've already told him. Now let me get my heart right. Let me humble myself and come under him. Because you know, me worrying sometimes is a lack of my trust. Me worrying sometimes is a lack of my trust. And the only way I've ever learned to get rid of that worry is to praise. There's really nothing else. It says put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I want you to know it works. Nothing else works. When I'm not worrying, sometimes I try in my flesh to fix the problem. And that's a lack of trust. Now, this is every day. Worship is an everyday thing. Have you ever, have you ever uh, been driving down the road and had some praise and worship music on and all of a sudden you started welling up with tears? I know, guys, sometimes we don't like to admit it. But just the presence of God starts to come, and you can't hold it back. If you haven't experienced that, I want you to hang in there. I want you to get in your car and turn the music on and give it all you got. Sing, sing. Nobody else is listening. You may be the worst singer in the world. Not to God, you're not. You're the greatest singer. You know what? You're his favorite. There, when the heart's right, there is no bad singing to God. It's, it's impossible. We were created to worship Him. It brings us beyond ourself. And there's a vulnerability and a risk to it. Number two, she risked her image by her act of worship. She risked her reputation. There was almost a sense where people were going to question her because of her love for the Lord. Number three, she was extravagant 
in her expression of worship. There was an extravagance to it. Do you know what Mary did not do? She didn't hold back. She didn't hold back because the look she was getting. Not only did she pour out the perfume, she took her hair. She started taking her hair. She got, she got involved. It wasn't standoff at all. Well, here's this woman just poured this oil. Now what is she doing? Would you look at that? Can you imagine the, the words going around the room? What is she doing? And you know, I know you've heard this, but this perfume she poured out was a year's salary. Extremely expensive. So when she opened the bottle and, and poured, it, poured it all out, the disciples said, wait a minute. Judah said, wait a minute. That's a whole year's salary. Worship makes us and allows us to become extravagant in our love and our expressions of love to him. And then finally, the fourth thing is Mary generously gave as an act of her worship. So many times we think that worship is kind of mushy. Sometimes we think worship is emotional. Sometimes we think that worship is a feeling that we have. But you know what? That's not always true. Sometimes worship is stewardship. Worship is commitment. Worship is surrender. Worship is giving up your rights. Now, I can feel it right here. It's easy to hear these words, but do you know what these words mean? Surrender. Giving up your rights. Commitment. It's easy to say them. It's easy to agree with them. The difference is the living it out. Worship is lordship. Worship is putting God in control of your life. Worship is allowing yourself to be, to be verbal. The, uh, this is something we do here, but worship is allowing yourself to raise your hands in the air when no one else is or when everyone else is or when everyone's looking at you or when you think everyone's looking at you. Can I tell you, nobody's looking at you except one. He's looking at you. You're crying out to him for him to be looking at you, right? He's looking at you. I can remember the first time I put my hands in the air. I can still remember how uncomfortable I felt. And I thought, I don't, I don't remember... A lot of times I wouldn't do it just because I knew my parents wanted me to do it. Were they even thinking about it? No, they weren't. That's what I was thinking. That was Satan trying to say, keep your hands down. You don't want to do that. Your mom and dad, your mom's been trying to get you to do that forever. Don't do it. Okay, I won't. Then finally, get my hands in the air. And I'm waiting for dinner for there to be a party and party favors and, you know, the hallelujah chorus being sang and nobody noticed. Didn't you see I had my hands in there? No. I didn't ask. I was just waiting for the party. 
Next time it wasn't as hard. You know, it was a surrender of me. It was a surrender of my pride. It was a surrender of my manhood. I thought I was losing my manhood. I've crossed over. Uh, I have. Well, everybody look at me. I have now crossed over. I'm no longer a man. Women, y'all have no idea. That's what we think. We think we have just become feminine. Maybe you haven't felt that. I have. Next time wasn't as hard. Next time it wasn't as hard. Do you know with my kids, seeing me and my wife with our hands in the air, they think that's just normal. They don't even think about it. Can you imagine a house that worshipped thinking that was the normal life? That's what Scripture says in the Old Testament about, about putting it around your neck, about talking about it everywhere you go, to and fro, fro, to work and back, at the dinner table, everywhere. Make that the norm, not SpongeBob, not Nickelodeon, not MTV, not American Idol, not 24. 24 is my show. It's not on anymore, but I still watch, the, I still watch it. I stream it. I love it. That's not the norm. The norm is, is a life that is all about God. Worship produces. Do you remember the Pharisees? They ask a question about paying taxes. Oh, goodness. Let me, let me get going here. And do you remember the story? They, uh, the Pharisees brought a coin to Jesus and said, Jesus, should we pay taxes? What do you say about taxes? And you know, they were trying to set him up. They were trying to put him in a corner that no matter what he said, he couldn't get himself out of it. And what did he say? Well, whose image is on the coin? Well, it's Caesar's. Well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God's. Now, I think that we, we read through this passage too quickly. Render to Caesar what is Caesar. Do you know what happened to the Pharisees after he said that? They left. They didn't get the rise. They got an answer and they left. Let me give you another way to look at it. When he said, what's the image on the coin? He said, it's Caesar. He said, okay, if Caesar's image, if it belongs to Caesar, then give it to him. But then he looked at them and said, but render unto God what is God. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying that God has said, I have made you in my image. You are mine. You were made after the image of God and render to me what is mine. Now, now do you get that? You got to read between the lines a little bit. I don't believe that I am overstepping scripture at all. It's saying, the coin has Caesar's name on it. The coin has Caesar's picture of it. If that's his, give to him what's supposed to be his. And give to God what's God's. That's all he said. Give to God what's God's. We were created in his image. We have his face on us. Which makes us his property. And when it says give to God what is God's, what is, what is God's? All of us. All of us. We are His. We are to give to God 
everything that we are or ever will be. What's so good about God is he will give back, pressed down, shaken together, exceedingly abundantly, more than we could think or ask. Give to God what is God's. I want to encourage you when Miss Tammy and this worship team, when you're in your car and listening to praise and worship, when you've got all hell coming at you, give to God what's God's. Give Him yourself daily. Wake up in the morning and give Him yourself. When you start to want to take it back, recognize it and give Him yourself again. And again. And again. Finally, you'll be His. You, know, you almost got to get in the habit of it. It's so easy to fall back out of that habit. But you can get in the habit of practicing the presence of the Lord. Do you know how you get the presence of the Lord to come? Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him. It's His Word. It says, if you don't do it, he'll make the rocks cry out. I don't want the rocks to do my job. Number one, he created me to do it. Number two, I'm going to position myself to get blessed. I'm also going to keep depression off of me. You want to fight off depression? I'm not telling you don't take your medication. Take the medication of praising God. Don't stop taking your medication. Add, add one. Praise. Maybe you praise him enough, you can stop taking the medication. Let your doctor tell you that. Praise him. Can I, can I just say it? Take one, take one what's, what do you say? Take two pills and call me in the morning or whatever. You know, praise the Lord. Get up and praise the Lord. When nastiness starts coming out of your mouth, praise the Lord. When demons start trying to attack you, when bad news starts coming at you, when you get bad reports about your health, when you've got fights going on, praise the Lord. It will break down that argument. Okay, we'll pick up right there. We're going to look at uh, the Mary and Martha syndrome. We've talked about it a little bit the last few weeks, but we're going to dive uh, into the second part of John chapter 12 next week. We all stand up with me and let's, let's praise the Lord. Father, we just praise you. We just worship you. For you are awesome. You are mighty. You are mighty in battle. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not your benefits. Lord, I thank you that who heals all our diseases, by your stripes we are healed. I thank you, Lord, that you are great, you are awesome, and you are holy, and you are mighty. You are mighty to bring down strongholds. You have placed Satan under our feet. That is the proper place for Satan, is under our feet. And it is by what you have done, God. You are good. And your love endures forever. I thank you, God, that you love us. You've paid every price for us. And we praise your holy name. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name. I thank you, Lord, that we saw that as the children of Israel went out to battle, the tribe that always went first was Judah. And Judah in the Hebrew means praise. When the praisers went first, the victory came second. Let us praise the Lord in our mouths, Lord. Let us worship you and let us carry this worship with us and continue to pour this oil, to continue to pour this perfume out at your feet, wiping the tears, wiping you with our hair. Lord, getting involved in our worship. You've gotten involved in our life, Lord. Let us get involved in yours. Just praise your holy name. Give us a week of victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let me say real quick, this Saturday is our men's retreat. We still have four paid sponsorships. If you would like a sponsorship, get with CB. Wave your hand. He's got four. We can get you paid for right now if you'd like to go. Say the first part of it. Yes, okay. Um, the person that I'd ask to be prayed for, his name's John Allen. His dad, Gary Allen, was the one that had had me, uh, gave me the opportunity to be sound, do sound here in this church. John Allen, uh, he is 30, I would guess 38, 39 years old, has four or five children. Um, he dove into the ocean right off the surf, broke his uh, neck. Um, they've given him 24 hours to live. So uh, all the family has just gone right back down to Florida and, uh, and are with him. So I just want to encourage you, please be praying for uh, John Allen and family. So God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday morning. Amen. Amen.